It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we look back at the movies of 1999 from our extended stay hope motel rooms here <laughs> in 2018. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybart. And I'm Phil Iskov. And with us today is the person who chose this movie, Rochelle Lefebvre, an actor known for Twilight, mm-hmm. Under the Dome, mm-hmm. uh, Mary Kills People on Lifetime, and Electric Dreams on Amazon, Amazon yeah. and hopefully a pilot or a series that might get picked up at any we're moment. Wa- literally waiting for. We, we have no idea. We may news over this pod during the course of this podcast. If we do, we will be the ones to leak it to deadline. Yeah, right. We're gonna we are gonna break <laughs> this news. But um, I mean, literally, Rochelle has her phone on the table, ready to accept a phone call at any weep. moment yeah we might be reading <laughs> weep happily yeah. or weep sadly we'll see but rochelle let's get your mind off that and talk about anywhere but here um before we do that literally anywhere literally. but here like getting her mind off of that's what we're gonna do we're gonna get her mind off yeah. of it. see what you did there see what you did there anyway where were you in 1999 rochelle i was trying to do the math uh i was living in montreal I was a student at McGill University. Mm-hmm. Um, I was probably changing majors because that's what I did. That was like a semester tradition. Okay. Change majors every semester, every year. What was your major? Ultimately? Oh, my goodness. Um, I start, it was a BA. In the end, I, I, started with, uh, I started with a major in English literature with an emphasis on drama um, and a minor in philosophy. And then I switched my minor to psychology 
and then I took any class I wanted to, even if it didn't fit in my that's major a good or minor. Major. That's a great yeah. Major. Yeah. yeah. Then I transferred to education. That, by the way, that's what I did. And then my <laughs> senior year, they told me you don't have enough credits for any major. This is oh my god! Wait, did you do you, do you have a diploma? <laughs> yeah, because I, I I petitioned the the I petitioned the. Uh, English department to let my film courses count as English courses. Can you write my petition? Because I do not have a diploma, even though I went to the Harvard of Canada. No, no, I'm aware. I spent five years Harvard at McGill University, and they wouldn't graduate me because, and I quote, we can't graduate you in anything. Because I then transferred to education. I think it's dumb, but you know. <laughs> I think, I think so it's dumb too. too. Maybe I'll pick up a few English credits over at UCLA and then like transfer them back. Yeah, why then, not? Because I should be a university graduate. I also, yeah. uh, I also made money Overrated. in college writing. A university graduate? Who needs it? Look at her. She's about to have a pilot know, picked right? up. But, no, I, but, I, but I feel like I, I wrote, I, I made money in college also writing other people's term papers, which don't do. It's, it's morally bad. But um, I really needed the money. Um, and so I feel like I also took a lot of other classes I didn't even take. I feel like I have 8,000 college credits and no degree. I'm a bit of a failure. What's I don't important think... is the knowledge. Yeah, you don't I don't remember of any of it either. Uh, well, that's. A, I mean, then, then it's important. We're is nowhere now. Maintaining your brain cells. <laughs> but okay, so you chose. You're so in 1999, in. I was working on a BA I never got in Montreal cool, at right, McGill cool, University. Cool. So you chose um, anywhere but here, which I, I must admit I had never seen before. Neither had I. I knew nothing about it. I knew something about it. But it stars you enormous actors, Two, Susan yeah. Sarandon and Natalie, Natalie Portman. Portman. I hear they do well after They do well. They seem they, to do yes. quite well. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it's kind of a big movie in that respect. Um, why did you choose it? Um, you know, I, I couldn't believe the list. I'm sure m- many people start the podcast with this, but I couldn't believe the list. When I started looking, you said 1999, yeah, yeah. I started looking. I was like, oh, wow, there were so many movies it I could do. It makes us feel good when people say that, though, because, you know, we created movies in 1999 so <laughs> uh-huh. we're, we're the first people yeah. well we're just the yeah. first people to realize that yeah. it's like a great year yeah. so it makes us feel great so keep piling please, on please, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah no you guys were oh you were so prolific <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> it was fantastic. Um, yes. yeah so the list was amazing and then i think the reason it stuck it's it stood out to me was because it was one of those movies that i remember loving but totally forgot existed mm-hmm. yeah and i thought I, I had like I saw the title and I went to IMDb and I saw the movie poster and I had because I am a daughter and now a mother I was flooded with all these feelings uh-huh. of like how I felt when I had seen the movie I was like why I have so many strong feelings about this film why do I forget that it ever yeah. existed yeah. and I ever saw it and I, I wanted to rewatch it so when I was thought, the last time you think you watched it before this rewatch uh probably when it came out in 1999 okay yeah 2000 i mean i don't remember if i waited till it was on vhs but wow wow i mean i feel <laughs> or, video, or dv did we have dvds then we must have we had, have. DVDs, we had dvds they were in the early days people of DVDs. still yeah. use dvds VHS i had too. my walkman until like 2002 oh, so it's adorable <laughs> i i mean i vaguely remember i mean i know i saw a trailer for this movie at the very least and i and as a i was a fan of natalie portman so i Remember well, being sort Susan of excited Sarandon. for this film. Like she was coming off a real great run. She had yeah. Dead Man Walking and Yes, 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 yes. She, I think she was nominated five years in a row. I mean weird movies like Lorenzo's Oil were one of them. Sure. But, but the But client, she's a tremendous and, tremendous yeah. tremendous act tremendous actress. Um but Natalie Portman, you know, was around my age. I really liked her performances. I really liked her as an actress. So I, I certainly and you thought she was pretty. And I thought she was pretty. Um Well I mean she's she's true. She's beautiful. Uh <laughs> But yeah, I don't I don't remember much about the movie. I want to say one thing about Natalie Portman. I think it's kind of funny. Okay. Obviously, she was in Garden State. 
and Zach Braff mm-hmm. claims mm-hmm. or claimed to her that he wrote it for her. Uh-huh. And she said that can't be true because she wasn't written as Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. So, I really, that's fantastic. Yeah. She was Being actually, Jewish, I know that that changes a character. <laughs> My, well, I mean, if you wrote I would it with be different if I wasn't yeah. Jewish. Do me, do me a favor, <laughs> listeners. Um, just Google Rochelle Lefebvre and tell me if she looks Jewish. By the <laughs> way, my full name is my, my full name is Rochelle Antoinette Chartres Lefebvre. Like the most sure. French name. You look like that. That's, I, you do not look like you, you do not like Rochelle Lefebvre Brits or yeah, yeah. I mean, it's true. I did a show with um, with Patrick Wilson years ago, and I think he, I think it was him, nicknamed me Lefeverstein. Yeah. He used to call oh, me Lefeverstein. Sure. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Natalie Portman was actually the first celebrity that I saw when I moved to LA. Weirdly, really? I I moved here, I got in my car, and I drove to the ocean because I could, and I was Good like, "This is." A, I think it's the right thing. To do. Literally, the first thing I yeah. did, and I parked my car, and I <laughs> stood on. It was like probably Santa Monica Pier or something like that, mm-hmm. and I saw Natalie Portman walk by. And I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, it was just like, it just didn't make any sense on so many levels. It's pretty funny. And I was like, what's happening? Uh, I liked this movie, though. Did you? I mean, I, I didn't love it. But I, I, I found myself liking it more than I thought I was going to. What does that mean? Well, because I went into it thinking, okay, this is a... And I don't mean this in a, in a shitty way, but it just sort of... I saw the poster, and I had seen the trailer... I was like, okay, so it's a mother-daughter thing. They don't get along, and they do some sort of a road trip together. It just, none of this stuff seemed, like, particularly interesting to me. Right. So I went into it thinking, okay, this is probably not going to be for me, but who knows? Two great actresses, two great actors, you know, sure, who knows? I could be surprised. Um, And I was not surprised by the fact that Susan Sarandon and Natalie Portman are fantastic in this movie. And... At the same time, I did feel as though they were sort of playing roles they could play in their sleep. Okay. You know what I mean? I don't think that it necessarily pushed them into directions that I hadn't necessarily either seen them do before or envisioned that they had done before, if that makes sense. Okay. You, know, you know what I mean? I, I think that, that Susan Sarandon playing a brash sort of in-your-face mom doesn't feel like a stretch for Susan Sarandon. And Natalie Portman playing a sullen, misanthropic teenager doesn't feel like a stretch for Natalie Portman at that time. So I didn't really have much expectations, but I left it thinking this was actually a pretty nice movie. I, I think know. it's a pretty nice movie. It has it no ill intent. It doesn't no. like knock it out of the park. It has 64% on Rotten Tomatoes. Probably could be a little higher than that, but yeah. that sort of feels right. I mean, it could probably be 75%. Michelle, what did, what did you think? I having, I'm having a sort of really interesting experience right now because I, I, I'm so profoundly aware that I'm having this conversation with two men. Yeah. Because... Have because the way, it. Yeah, no, I, I, and not in a way that, like, I can't be critical. It's not like you're being... It's like you're missing something. I just yeah. think, you know, as I said to you when I came in, like, you are neither yeah, a mother nor yeah. a daughter. And... Um, and I have this, not yet anyway. Not anyway. <laughs> There's still time. That is possible. Um, but I, I have this feeling that it's like, oh, it's about a mother daughter relationship. The biggest thing that will ever matter in your life as a cult, you know, as right. becoming a human being and becoming right. a woman. And um, so for me, the the sort of like the the depths that can be mined in that relationship mm-hmm. are endless. And the fact that they are a mother and daughter is the plot in and yeah. of itself. Yeah. Like, like. Nothing needs to happen to them. Do you know what I mean? Um, no, I, I think that I, I don't. I think that they 
grow just the right amount by the end of this movie. Like, okay. I do feel like there is an arc yeah. to the characters. I don't feel as though they don't learn anything or change. Well, let me ask you a question because I don't want to make it like – so I had a weird experience, which is when I first watched the movie, I remember thinking that um, – I remember thinking that Susan Sarandon's character was like really wacky, right? Like she was like this crazy – Larger than life. Ro- yeah. Larger than life, yeah, yeah. you know, and like you loved being around her and mm-hmm. that – but she was also really selfish. Mm-hmm. And then and then now that I'm older and now that um, – and now that we – now that we talk a little bit more about mental illness and we're not as taboo about it, I watched it and I was like, oh, this is a movie about a, 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 a teenager growing up with a borderline personality disorder mother. 100%. And, and, in, the, and, and, and in post-2016 election results, I find the whole like, narcissism thing even less amusing mm-hmm. um, because I feel like I'm watching mental illness daily. Um, <laughs> On the new, like right. you know, you are, uh, you are. we are, and I and yeah. I don't want to take the podcast there, but um, we've been there. But yeah. I, but I was watching it. I was going, oh wow! I feel like I'm going to talk about this film, and we could it could kind of go to some pretty dark places because on the one hand, we can just talk about it as this like character driven movie, and what you said about the performances, and they're both you know they they're great at their roles, and there is an arc, and da 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 da. Or <laughs> can really delve into like how dark it is that 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 she has this personality disorder that. That destroys her relationship with her daughter when she's young. And, you know, the idea of Anne going, getting on the plane at the end and getting on the plane and going, you know, you love my mother and, you know, you hate her. And when she's gone, a light will go out that, you know, the world a will weird last be less. Line. It is a weird last <laughs> line. But I but as a daughter, like, I got it because it's huh. this thing where, like. I don't I don't know if there's you know women who are listening but there's a there's a joke I have with my girlfriends about their daughters where I'm like has she turned around and screamed I hate you yet mm-hmm. you know because that's when you know your daughters become her own person she turns yeah. around to her mom and goes I hate you sure so I just um I feel like there's a uh, I feel like there's a, a sort of a weird kind of tethered the ties that bind thing where like you love your mother and sometimes you hate her the way you can't feel about anyone else. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. I just watched it with like a different eye. I'm rambling now. Save me, <laughs> save me from myself. Well, I, I feel you, like I'm in therapy. I'm, say- I'm trying not to go into therapy. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna say the synopsis of this film. Okay. Just, we can. Oh we can- well, before you do, I want to keep okay. talking about that because I want I want to say two things. One. Okay. Um, this reminds me a little bit of the Jawbreaker podcast in that you mean the one that's going to probably air after this one. Yeah. <laughs> this reminds me a little bit of a future podcast we haven't done yet, but I assume what will happen on the Jawbreaker podcast. <laughs> yeah. So I don't want to give away what it's happens on assessment. that podcast, yeah. but the point is Jawbreaker is not a movie that's best viewed through the male gaze. Right. Correct. Okay. Um, this, I would say is also that where, uh, what, what I did do while watching this movie was viewed through the lens of my sister, who I think has a very similar relationship mm. with my mother that Natalie Portman has with Susan Sarandon. And in fact, I texted her during this movie, and I said, have you ever seen this? I think it would be very traumatic for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, okay. And I think it might be traumatic for my mom, too. Um, and they both listen to the podcast. I think it was and- traumatic for me, which is why I'm rambling. No, I, I, it's, it's, it's interesting because, you know, like I know Lexi, hi Lexi. I know Lexi listens to the podcast more than my mom does. And, um, I, I would be really interested in her take on this because it, I wonder how universal these feelings are for mothers and daughters. This is obviously not yeah. the relationship a father has with his son or a father has with his mother, though my relationship with my, I'm sorry, a son has with his mother, though my relationship with my mother is not that dissimilar. How about you, Phil? 
Um, they're they're elements. They're, they're elements. I yeah. cer- I certainly, f- yeah. I mean, I I think that. I mean, I, I didn't see a lot of my my mother in Adele, but you <laughs> I'll, know, I'll be honest, a little bit. The more I engage with this movie, mm-hmm. the less. I'm going to want to talk about it on this podcast. And I think that speaks well for the movie, <laughs> but it doesn't speak well for the podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's, no, a shame. I, it's a shame. I it feels like there's, I, I can't, I, I just can't. It's actually, it's, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much an open book on this podcast, but it's, it's the one thing that I'm really not going to go to. in, in I'm not going to go too in depth on is my relationship with my parents. Wait, so, I want to talk about that a little more. Yeah. Cause I think that's what makes this so interesting, which is that um, the minute, I began to try to explain why the mother-daughter thing was so in that line and the whatever. I realized why I can't put a coherent thought together, which is that I can't tell you how I feel without divulging my own relationship with my mother, which I'm not willing to do. And so I've picked the worst possible film, but I only (laughs) realized that now. Um, And so in an effort to sort of keep it universal, um, let me sort of summarize it. Thusly, here's the English lit degree that I never got. Um, <laughs> take this, McGill. Um, yeah. Take this, McGill. Send me a degree in the mail, okay, yeah. for this one. Um, I think that as a as a woman, when you are growing up as a daughter, you just know, even though you can't articulate it, you have an instinct. You know, watching your mother, mm-hmm. that you are going to grow up either to be just like her. Or spend the rest of your life determined not to be. Either way, you're in a box. Either way, you're in a box. No, 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 wait, 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 let me finish. Wait, let me finish. Either way, either way, you're in a box. You're your too mother. Close to we, no, we, yeah, need, no. we need to move on. Let's, let's, let's just wing it on another movie. How do you, okay, wait, wait, wait. How, how do you feel about wait, forces is, of nature? Wait, I have one for you. Hold on, Kenny. I, hold on, Kenny. I have one. Can we talk about 10 things I hate about you? Um, I have a great quote for you by Oscar yeah. Wilde. Oscar Wilde said, every, every woman grows up to be her mother. That's their tragedy. No man does. That's his. Uh, it's, a, it's a great line. It is a great line. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm just really pushing Miguel. Right? Right, are you okay? I'm, no, I feel like we I'm, really. I'm fine. You had a bit of a break. Did you grow up trying not to be your mother or trying to be no, like? It's not. It's, it's <laughs> just. The, the, I, I didn't expect it to go here, but um, this is uh, I, honestly, I'm being I'm being 100 percent serious. I don't think I can continue to talk about my family. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's talk about though, this. though my my sister mm-hmm. and my wife Laura understand what I'm going through right now. So let's right. continue. Cool. Okay. Uh, the synopsis no of Anywhere But Here. No one gets me. I'm an only child. Uh, um, yeah. So the synopsis of Anywhere But Here. Uh, in this adaptation of Mona, Mona Simpson's novel, single mother Adele August, played by Susan Sarandon, is bad with money and even worse when it comes to making decisions. Her straight-laced daughter, Anne, played by Natalie Portman, is a successful high school student with an Ivy League with Ivy League aspirations. When Adele decides to pack up and move the two of them home, uh, sorry, move the two of them from the Midwest to Beverly Hills, California, to pursue her dreams of Hollywood success, Anne grows frustrated with her mother's irresponsible and impulsive ways. I mean, that's a that's synopsis. That that feels right. Uh, it opened on November twelfth, nineteen ninety nine, in fifth place with five point six million dollars behind the Pokemon movie Dogma and the Messenger: The Story of Joan of Arc. Uh, it went on to make $23.6 million on a $23 million budget. So I hope they split that six hundred grand. They got an extra $3 when I rented it on Amazon <laughs> yeah. for this podcast. There you go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. So, I mean, I think that uh, apparently, I don't know. This, this movie would never have been hit. Um, there's almost nothing to sell. There's almost nothing to sell about it. Well, the two leads, either those people, people show up for those two or they don't that's show up. That's the only reason that yeah. any, that's what I'm saying. There, there, there's no that. version that you can get two 
more marketable actors in 1999. Mm-hmm. I, sir, I, agree. I agree. And maybe there's, I don't know, who directed this? Uh, Wayne Wang. Wayne Wang. And, you know, there's, it's, a, it's such an, a pretty interesting career, though. It's an interesting, it's, it's interesting that, does any, did, did, did either of you know about this book? Is this no. a book people no. have read? No. no, and actually, when I, I didn't know it was a book, and then when I, uh, after I finished the film, um, I was in shock because I think in the beginning it says based on the book by, or I looked it up, yeah. or at some point I came to know that. And uh, I was in shock because I was sure that it was uh, an autobiography, like a memoir. I'm sure I was sure that it was a yeah. memoir afterwards. I was like, this is, this is a book written by someone who grew up with a mother yeah. who had a personality disorder, who suffers from this like experience of, you know, the person who is supposed to be looking after you and putting your needs first and helping you become a woman actually can't do any, can't do anything introspective and only thinks about herself. And wouldn't that scar you for life? And she grew up and wrote a book well, and then they made it into a movie well, and it turns that, out it's fictional. Well, because it's, it's weird. I, I, I had the same feeling that you did, which is like, it's not a remarkable enough plot to, to, I, th- I think it's, it doesn't right. feel like a remarkable enough plot to be a novel. Um, but it is a really interesting interdynamic between two main characters. Therefore, it does seem like it had to be a memoir because that, you know, memoirs come from emotion. Right. But it clearly. I mean, it could have been based on it's very on, clearly on to me stuff is ba- that, that is, she yeah. went through. It's very clearly know, based the thinly veiled version of her life. I mean, not to say hundred yeah. percent, but how it just feels. It I mean, I think, and that's a testament to how sort of real and genuine it feels. Do you know what I mean? I think that yeah. there's there's stuff in it that just feels so specific. Yeah, and it has that level of, of specificity and, and and detail that you kind of there's. But I will also say too. There's a universality to this as well. I mean, the three of us are sitting around this table. Some of us want to talk about our parents. Some of us don't. But <laughs> it does feel like some of us want to, but aren't. <laughs> but it does. It does feel like this is tapping a vein. And in that respect, I would say that I'm a little surprised that it didn't do a little better. I also would say too that that you know Wayne Wang, who did the Joy Luck Club, that was his first big movie. Uh, he then made a movie called Smoke. Um, and if you ever saw that film with uh, William Hurt and um, Harvey Keitel, it's a really good movie. Yeah. Uh, and then there was a quasi sequel, Blue in the Face, that he did as well. Um, and this was all sort of around the time that he did Anywhere But Here. This is obviously supposed to be a big yeah, I mean, o- Oscarish movie. For sure. I mean, you've got Roger Deakins shooting it. You've got mm-hmm. Danny Elfman doing the score. You've uh-huh. got like these are these are you know these are, Those are heavy ton- hitters. Tony guys. Yeah. Are you? Sorry, I was no, gonna, are, are you surprised at all? Because I was surprised again to when I was you know watching the opening credits that it was directed by a man. That was one of those things where Surprising. after the film was over, I was like, um, I don't know if you've ever read "She's Come Undone" by Wally Lamb. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite books, and um, it's about being inside the head of like a thirteen-year-old as she I, grows I've up. Heard it's of a it. brilliant I book. I haven't read anything, and I remember <laughs> Wally. <doesn't> read. <laughs> yeah, Wally is sort of like a. You know, I didn't know if it was a man or a woman. I just, it's not a name that I'm familiar with as, as having an association with, association with a gender. And so I didn't know. And when it was over, I started lo- looking, uh, looking up Wally Lamb and I realized it's a man. And I'm like, how did he know? <laughs> and I felt the same way about this director. I was like, how yeah. was this directed by a man? How did he know? Because I know that Natalie Portman and Susan Sarandon are brilliant actresses, right? Sure. That's a given. Everybody knows that. And they, mm-hmm. you know, could have done, I'm sure, whatever they wanted, and it still would have been amazing. But it's not, the movie doesn't feel like a free-for-all. It has a very, it's very well-directed. It's mm-hmm. beautifully directed, and it's kept very, um, very specific 
in yep. the ways in which her outbursts reveal themselves. There's a beautiful sort of consistency to the movie. Um, and so there was, he just got it. And I just had that moment where there are certain things like talking to the two of you about mothers and daughters where I sort of feel like, sure. you know, I, I always think it's wonderful that as a man, he can kind of tap into that. Yeah. I mean, I do think that, um, so in Roger Ebert's review, he gave it three stars. And uh, he said, the movie's interest is not in the plot, which is sporadic and colorful, but in the performances. Sarandon bravely mm-hmm. makes Adele into a person who is borderline insufferable. Sarandon's role is trickier and more difficult, but Portman's will get the attention. In Anywhere But Here, she gets yanked along by her out-of-control mother, and her best scenes are when she fights back, not emotionally, but with incisive observations. I mean, I think that this movie understands what it is, which I think is to your point. I think that he understands that it is in the, in the tension and the love that exists between these two people um, and bringing that out in the right ways. And I think he does. I mean, I don't, I don't think that it, you know, the, the, the plot and, and we'll talk a little bit about it, but I, I will say that uh, the story at times I found a little bit, I don't want to say confusing, but just kind of incidental. Like it just happened to be there. It just didn't feel like it wanted to really tell you a story so much as it wanted you to live with these two people, which I was happy living with them. But at times I was like, why does she want her to be an actress so badly? Like what, like the motivations sometimes felt a little bit Because she wanted to be an actress. She wanted to be famous and beautiful and adored and wealthy. (laughs) Right. She wanted all of those that's things. Fair. And so I feel like that's also a very that's a very uh a common when you have a dysfunctional relationship with your mother, that's a dis- that's a really? common story, okay. I think, in um in, right. in, in in what yeah, in one of <laughs> one of the one of the popular <laughs> Kenny, tell us all about it. One of the popular common I wasn't dysfunctions. Saying you were wrong, yeah, yeah. No, but one of the popular common dysfunctions joke. is um is parents who, you know, I feel like it's the equivalent of like the ath- the dad athlete, you know, and like pushes like the hockey dads yeah. or whatever, you know. Todd where, where sure, yep. who's that? <laughs> he's a football he's, he's a football player his father like famously pushed him to the brink right and he fell out of league became an alcoholic and a drug user i think he might be dead now but it's case there was a 30 for 30 about him okay his, his father was just obsessed on making him a nfl quarterback oh, wow. okay. yeah. right and maybe this is one of those things why this maybe this is why the movie ends with the you know when when she dies you know the world will be just a little more bland or a light will go out or whatever it is she says it's sure. because the guy you're talking about obviously you know about him because they made a 30 for 30 about it right and he's like right. he is clearly very successful. The thing his father pushed him to do so brutally. Um, well, you know, you know, there's another kind of better, re- more relevant example. That's Earl Woods, Tiger's yes. father. Agreed. Right. Agreed. And Tiger never stopped loving his father. But the more you know about Earl Woods, you know that he's probably the reason Tiger became a womanizer. He's probably he pushed Tiger from the moment he was two. He was on television at three right. on the Dick right. Cavett show uh, playing golf and never got off him. So, yeah, I think that. Earl's death really did fuck Tiger up in in, in a certain way. Sure. But yeah. also, he's the reason that Tiger is fucked up. This is ascribing a lot to these people I only know from television. But I, no, I've, but you're I've talking about enough. a general relationship yes. between between like overbearing, pushy parents who have a drive in themselves to become something they can't do it. They push it onto their mm-hmm. children, and then I think as a child, um, it's possible to end up with a sense of like. I love you because it's primal and those are the ties that bind. Oh, also, I'm a massive success and have everything that I dreamed of (laughs) because you pushed me so hard, but also, can you die now? And then when they die, you feel terrible (laughs) that you even had those thoughts because now they're gone and now what can never be? And it turns out I ended up talking about my family. Anyway, but... um, (laughs) Wow. This is like a real... You guys are really opening up. Yeah, no, I just think that they... But I think that for whoever is is listening who might be, you know, living with 
sort of whatever whatever it is we're dancing around. I just wanted to offer at least that, you know, at yeah, least, sure. well, at least Rochelle, something. I think, I think that... <laughs> You're going to be okay. Everything's going to be I, fine, guys. No, he's going to talk about his parents. Now. I'm not. I, I just think that... <laughs> I think that everybody who has a relationship with their parents, with a parent or both parents that borders on this kind of relationship that we're yeah. talking about is going, like, it, it, it's, it's a little door, but once you open it, there's so much behind it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so much that goes on and on and on and you do want to talk about it. And once you've kind of, once you've kind of accessed that part of you, it then, yeah. then it never really stops. So there are people who are listening to this being like, what the fuck are they talking about? And there are yes. people who are listening to this being like, I know exactly what they're mm-hmm. talking about. And it doesn't mean we don't love our parents and it doesn't mean they're not super important to us. But yeah, I can really, I think, I, I think we're saying without like coming out and saying it, that we probably have similar experiences. Mm-hmm. You know, was your mom an actor or dad an actor or? No, my father was an English teacher. Um, my mother was a psychologist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and both very much like wanted me to be, neither wanted to be an actor and both pushed me very much, um, towards whatever I wanted to do. And when I chose acting, they were very supportive of that. Um, but they were both, both of my relationships for different reasons were really complicated. You Mm -hmm. know, like I've had a lot of therapy, um, and no disrespect to my parents. So the therapy has resulted in me being able to say now they did the best they could with what they were given, um, with the abilities that they themselves had. Um, which is why, again, I find this sort of an interesting film because it's a coming of age story in in an interesting way for me because you got to ask yourself, right? So Natalie Portman's great in this, right? But as the review you just read said, she's best when she's pushing up against her mom, when she's rebelling, right? <clears throat> so that has to beg the question, if we're treating these like real people and we're discussing a film about these two characters, sure. then who is, Natalie Portman's just a sullen teenager from a small town who has some small town joys hanging out with her cousin and her friend and doesn't have big dreams for herself and doesn't really know what she wants to do, right? She's just like a regular teenager. And instead she ends up at the end, she's like polished, She's going off to an Ivy League school. She has these transformative experiences, right? She became everything that she is pushing against the thing that she hated. So that I feel like, I I feel like without her mom, then she's just a, she's just another teenager who just ends up living and growing up in the same. She's probably, you know, ends up living in this small town, having whatever life, not there's anything wrong with that, but her life is completely altered by her mom's insanity. So even though, does her mom deserve credit for that? Well, so that's what I'm saying. No, because her mom didn't do it on purpose. She did it selfishly, but there's no way. I don't think from where I sit, identifying with Natalie Portman's character, I don't think that Anne looks back on that without realizing she is who she is because of her mother. And you give credit because they're your parents. Mm-hmm. So I think you do end up giving credit, even if they don't deserve it. You're like, well, I am who I am because of you, for better or for worse. I think we're all, we all are who we are because of our parents. Because I, I full stop, right? I am who I am because of my parents, and I would say, you know, I'm also who I am because of my friends, but going to my friends was a result, going to my friends and getting certain elements of personality or skills or traits from them, through them, with them, was a result of not getting certain things from my parents. Totally. Right? And I think that's everybody. Yeah, you're either trying to become them or trying not to become them. Either way, you pick a path. Yes. I think think this is already a very interesting podcast. 
With over 60 film and television appearances, Julia Roberts is perhaps the most famous actress of our generation. You know you love her. We love her too. And during this year's Hollywood Fringe Festival, you can get closer to everyone's favorite pretty woman and you won't even need something ready to wear. This June, the Asylum Theater Company at the McAdam Place Theater proudly presents The Complete Works of Julia Roberts, a parody musical. The Complete Works of Julia Roberts follows Jessica, a young woman just trying to make it on her own in L.A. when her many life obstacles drop into her lap all at once. Jessica is surprised to find herself accepting guidance when the iconic roles of her favorite actress come to life in her living room. Take a journey with Jessica as all her and your favorite Julia Roberts moments come to life in song in this hilarious ode to America's sweethearts. If you're in the Los Angeles area, head over to HollywoodFringe.org for tickets to see the runaway hit of the summer. And here is the hook. No need to be a money monster to purchase tickets because our listeners can use the exclusive code PODCAST99 for a special discount. That's discount code PODCAST99 when you purchase your tickets through HollywoodFringe.org and click on the show page, The Complete Works of Julia Roberts, a parody musical. Tickets are on sale now, so buy your tickets before they sell out because it's no wonder this world premiere is giving audiences something to talk about. Thank you so much for supporting Sounds this like show. Sounds like a very good idea. It's a fun show. You should go and see it. You should get tickets. Also, just as a side note, it's a podcast with a capital P. So podcast 99 is the discount code. Podcast 99, capital P. So um, there you go. And it's 99 is in the number 99. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Check it out. It's a great show. Should we admit that we just took a brief pause there to like decompress because we, we were all like that, we yeah. literally no, was, took a break we to had like to talk air about some, our we had to air some parents stuff for out. a second? Whoever would have expected it for this movie? I got to be honest. Like when, when we when we watch this movie, I'm like a yeah, pretty bad movie. Not getting much from it. Don't know what's happening. This is this is one of the biggest zero to ninety nine jumps I've had. Because yeah, of, I was because thinking. The, to, I was literally thinking the exact same what, thing. What it has? We'll talk about the, is, the ranking which we do at the end of the episode. Okay. Uh, what it has drawn out of me we'll already? It's kind of incredible. We'll do that. We'll do. Right. The end, but I'll, I'll we should walk get into plot because we do need to get unfortunately, into Unfortunately, Rochelle's on a time crunch because she's is. about to have a pilot picked up. Hopefully. Or a show picked uh, up. Knock on wood. God um, uh, Yeah. So, um, movie opens on the open road with Adele and Anne. Uh, Natalie Portman, classic tomboy, backwards, baseball cap, sullen, mm. just miserable. Uh, and her, her mom is just sort of like yammering about why they're moving to california and what have you i'm trying to like i'm trying to remember where she's we actually also started eating, from i think is it popcorn yeah she's eating something she's, but this is what i love about this is how yeah. i knew i was gonna yeah. love this film and love it second she's eating in a way that like in addition to the yammering and it's beautiful it's beautiful sound editing in that moment <laughs> because you're in natalie portman's sure. head because the sound editing is telling you that even though her mom is yammering what she's really listening to is the eating and the sucking her fingers yeah, and you me. already oh are insane yeah. 20 seconds into the movie and so 20 seconds into the movie this director puts you bam in Natalie Portman's seat which I think is great it is uh, I, yeah. I want to also say so it starts Philip didn't no I did but it's just like I'm, I am one of those people that like I can't stand mastication like I can't stand yeah. people chewing on candies or chewing on gum or yep. anything like that and you know uh, I have I have friends and, and, and parents that do that so that scene definitely was like yeah, set my teeth on edge. Yeah, that. Yeah, be that as it may. Um, this movie starts the <laughs> essentially talk. the exact same way. <laughs> I'm with you, it's, it starts exactly essentially the exact same way that Lady Bird starts. Yeah, that's um, true. And so much of this movie is like Lady Bird. Yeah, and I watched this movie thinking 
that it pales in comparison to Lady Bird. I'm not so convinced anymore, to be honest, which is, <laughs> wow. I'm okay. like, I think it might be the genus. I think it might be the sort of like, like, I wonder if she watched it. I wonder how many, like, I wonder if she saw it, if, where she, she, where was she in 1999? That she, you know funny. what I mean? And and maybe it's, I feel like she's, if We're you ask her, to, for sure she's seen it's it. It's almost We're like, have to get Greta Gerwig on this podcast. It's almost probably, like, so. a re, it's not a remake, but it's almost like an homage because it only takes place three years after this, yep. right? Because this, even though this weirdly feels period, it's not. It's, no. Yeah. It's contemporary. So it, it's kind like, of timeless in its own way. She has this, like, Susan Sarandon kind of always has this period thing going on in this movie, especially, like, yeah. It feels period, and there's something Beverly Hills that something about Beverly Hills that's always very timeless for sure. Um, that architecture hasn't changed in the last fifty years. Agreed. Still fucking looks like that outside of the new Waldorf. So, um, yeah. So I immediately draws comparisons to Lady Bird, and um, I weirdly think this does it as well. Like I love that opening scene of Lady Bird when she opens the door and rolls out. Yeah, but maybe that's too in your face. You know, maybe that's <laughs> okay. I I I am a little amazed that that this is that this is where you're coming at this movie. For, for what, but, for, for wait, what it's so- worth, Ladybird Ladybird is like a 95 out of 99 for me. So like, I love that. Movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but here's what's really interesting: is she opens the door and rolls out in Ladybird, right? But here, the mom says, "Get out, get out," and she mm-hmm. gets out, and then the mom drives away and leaves yeah. her there. And it tells you everything she needs to know is that not that she just that she leaves her there on the side of the road, but that she leaves her there for long enough. To actually let her believe for a moment, to let Anne believe for a moment, she's yeah. not coming back. But that's one of my favorite moments is actually the shot when the the smile that Natalie gives at the side of the road when her mom does turn around. Because that smile is, it's, there's a lot packed into that. That idea of like, of course, she's not going to leave me. Mm-hmm. But also like, I've got you on some level. Like there's this, there's a very interesting tension between the two of them that mm-hmm. I, that obviously is what mo- moves the whole film across but or, or along. I, I think that... Uh, there's kind of a my, a my so-called life vibe to this a little bit too, just in terms of at least on the Natalie side. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I don't know. I, I the Lady Bird comparison is interesting because on on a certain level, it's almost kind of like a a, a swap because Lady Bird acts more like Susan Sarandon and Laurie Metcalf kind of acts a little bit more like Natalie Portman, which is the appropriate roles by the way yes no absolutely part of what's so uncomfortable yes. Yes. about no. this film is yes. the role reversal is excruciating yeah no, but what's really what, what, what's what stands in both is that the parent is abusing the child yes yes, yes. so sure, you know sure, without sure. being physically abusive the parent is abusing the child um and right. that's what i think kind right of sticks so in terms of story mm-hmm. we do a little bit of a flashback i think at that point and we then kind of come back on ourselves to sort of give a little bit of backstory as to where they're coming from and why they're going to beverly hills um i guess susan sarandon tells natalie portman or she does tell natalie portman that she has a job waiting which she doesn't she just has an interview maybe i don't even she has an interview right so she moves them there just based on an interview which is impulsive to say the least mm-hmm. um and and kind of leaves a boyfriend kind of leaves a boyfriend no she's married she leaves, leaves a, a stepdad a stepdad <laughs> yeah. by the way who is helping her load the car like yeah. as she's yeah. leaving yeah. yeah weird well he's probably thrilled she's going but he might he yeah might, some part he of him he might very well be or he just knew this was always how it was gonna end <laughs> maybe yeah i so they 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 move into an apartment building. It's a, it's sort of a motel. I, I thought it was a motel. Is it an apartment or is it a I motel? I think it's a motel in the beginning. It's like a monthly thing. And it's a motel and then they end up they, they at the diner. Mo- they yeah. meet the real estate lady right. who right, then helps right, them right. find an apartment. 
Right. Yes. Right. That makes sense. And they move into a terrible apartment. A really sad apartment. It's really sad. Uh, one of the things I noticed is that Danny Elfman seems to be channeling his Goodwill Hunting score in this, for what that's worth. I definitely was hearing um, echoes of that mm. or, uh, for, for whatever. I do love the line when Adele drops Anne off at school and she says, the intelligent girls are inside. <laughs> which I think is a great line. It's a great line. Because she just looks, yeah, they all look like, it's Beverly Hills High School. Are you guys then, familiar with Beverly Hills High School? Not really. I actually have a friend who went there. I always find it, first of all, I think it looks really cool on film because I love it with the Century City buildings behind it. You know, it's such a weird little end, sure. Um, sure. M- school out of place because uh-huh. obviously LA is not a uh, urban city, mm-hmm. right? There are very few places you even have buildings that big. Mm-hmm. So to have this like very somewhat well-known high school right in the shadows of these buildings is really i i, I love like the way it looks and feels it's and interesting it, it's yeah. and it's also another look at la because la is you know paramount studios and hollywood walk of fame and the, the chinese theater so this other weird little century city thing that a lot of people don't know about i think that's cool yeah i think that's awesome yeah. i think that um there's some there's some interesting sort of Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Her friends, uh, Anne's friends that she's, Elizabeth Moss is one of them, which. She looks I know. so young I and know. just like, yeah, hilarious. Uh, and and about Johnson, to go on to play Bartlett's daughter in the West Wing. Yeah. Right? Either had just started that or was about to. Was she, about to. She, 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 she was, she she was about yeah, to. Yeah, her next role would have been. just about to do yeah. that, which is hilarious. And she's obviously fantastic. Um, but yeah, the friends actually felt pretty real to me. Yeah, they, did, so yeah, they, they felt yep. kind of messy and they felt like real kids. Um, felt like the kind of people who might befriend a new kid. Right. Which I think is a real thing. Absolutely. Not just anyone's befriending a absolutely. new kid. So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think also just there's this interesting, they kind of want to hang out with her mom, but they kind of don't at the same time. Like the mom feels dangerous in a weird way. Like I think that, I mean, I know that my friends when I was in high school loved hanging out with my mom because they thought she was funny and she is funny and she, you know, was, a, you know, a, Unlike any other parents, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's exciting. I think that, but in this movie, that kind of can turn. And you can now all of a sudden see a dynamic that starts to manifest itself when Anne and her start to get contentious. And, and it, it just, it can be, I don't know, it can be uncomfortable. And, that, and you mm-hmm. see them leaving a couple conversations throughout the movie, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, there's that horrible scene where her mom comes home and they start talking about her wanting to go on this audition. And yeah. her friends are all like, um, what? gonna go <laughs> yeah, it's like and really she's like awkward. why like yeah, what yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's, yeah. it's awful yeah which is again 
you have to wonder whether or not part of that is that Adele wants Anne all for herself. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That she doesn't really want Anne to have, uh, you know. Well, she doesn't want to be, she doesn't want her to have her own friends or anything that indicates that she's her own person because at this moment for Adele, Anne isn't her own person. She's an extension of Adele. Right. Spoken like somebody who has lived it. <laughs> it's, it's a, that, that is a, that is an analysis that is almost impossible to get. Unless you've lived it. Right. Yes, I would agree. Uh, so then, uh, she is, uh, Anne is at school, and Adele hasn't met the guy yet, the dentist. Josh. On the beach? On the beach? Ugh, that, oh, whole thing that, is, scene that whole thing made me From really the payphone? Oh my God, it's awful. Where that she scene. ends up going, I love you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the like, worst. Oh, it's, it's the worst. so cringeworthy. It's so cringeworthy. Yeah. First of all, the scene where she talks about how he did something that he did something special that guys oh, only do yeah. if they really like you uh-huh. yeah. was also really, really not cool. <laughs> like, Does that hit home for anybody? Y- yeah, you mean like getting? <laughs> wait, uh, having un- that un- un- happen un- to you, or no. or having someone tell you about yes. that too early? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. Yeah, I would. I have to agree. Oh my god! I'd what is going on in this room? Yeah, but no, not really. not that specific thing. But just off mic, off mic. We'll talk about that <laughs> uh, at our dinner that but Rob just, will not record. No, but it's just, no, but, but but just in general is one of these things that like people either have two kinds of parents. I feel like, and you know, I'm 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 generalizing here, but there's the parents who are like, you know, I don't want to tell you anything, or I'm going to read the books that tell me what's age appropriate, and we're going to kind of go. And then there's the parents who just do like the flooding. Yeah, <laughs> like, they, just, they just tell they you want, everything. They, they want they tell you everything, whether it's malicious or not. They just like they're, oh, I don't think it's they're malicious, oversharers, yeah. or they want you to have all the information. Or whatever, and and well, they and also no. want they're longing for a relationship right. that is that's that is inappropriate is the wrong word, but just trying to find a level playing field when it's not level and it yeah. needs to be th- those things can just get messy. And this movie uh talks about that and explores those because well, she wants her, she treats her daughter like a friend as opposed to like her daughter, absolutely, but which is still, a problem, which is but a problem. she still has power over her, so yeah, that's that that's the problem ultimately. Yeah, um, that's well, why and, and you called it an abusive relationship. That's exact. That's what I think it because is. Because one person has all the power. One person has all the power, which is true in all parent-child relationships. But, yeah. But per- attempts to present it as equals. Mm-hmm. So you're not equals. This happens in marriages too. You're not equals if one person ultimately is going to be like, "You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't go here. You can't be friends with that person." Why? Well, because you know I have the power. Whether it's monetary or emotional or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's really what I think it is. I think it's ultimately an abusive, abusive, an abusive relationship because Susan Sarandon has the ability to move her daughter yes. from a place she's comfortable to a place she's uncomfortable yep. on a whim. Yep. So. Yes. I mean, for for people listening who don't have like really fraught relationships with their parents and for and, and this whole podcast is seeming a little bit like, you know, a little down the rabbit hole, um, I want to share an analogy that I find helpful with my friends when they're trying to understand sort of what it might be like um, in those complicated relationships with parents. Um, a lot of people have a friend or they have a colleague or you like, you know, you have a relationship with someone who they're either in a good mood or a bad mood, in a bad mood, and when they're 
not in a good mood and they don't want to be friendly, Mm -hmm. then you're not friends. And when they feel warm and fuzzy and they're in a good mood, then you're friends. And so you're like, you never know whether you're friends with that person or not. And it's always on their terms. So if anybody has that experience, it's sort of like, that's kind of what we're talking about. Is this like this, the person, you know, it's like everything is on their terms and they dictate it. And just, if you do have that, by the way, that's an abusive relationship. Get out of it. Which is, which is, comes back (laughs) to the power dynamics that you're talking about. You know what I mean? I, I think that, I think it's a very interesting relationship. It really is. I mean, the, the scene that stayed with me or one of the scenes that really stayed with me was when the power gets shut off and they're in the kitchen and Susan Sarandon is, is on the verge of tears saying, I, I swear I paid it. I swear I paid it. Um, and then Anne just leaves and then she's just sort of sat there kind of talking to herself and just crying in the dark because she didn't pay the electricity bill. It's just, you know, you you can't help but feel for her in that moment. She's You, you do have, I mean, I do anyway, feel empathy for Adele's situation, but it's also one of her own making. So you're just sort of... Well, like, extra- yeah. extrapolate, it, extrapolate it to fit this theme we're talking about, okay? So I swear I paid it, I swear I paid it. She has no money. She yeah. has no money. She has no power. Yeah. All right. So now, literally and figuratively. Yeah, literally. Well, I mean, maybe the maybe Wayne Wang meant that, but <laughs> but now she she's in a situation where if Anne wants to walk out on her, yeah, what's she gonna do? Yeah. If she can't control her daughter, yeah, she's lost. She's, she's got lost. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, I don't. I'm I'm really seeing um a lot of what we're talking about uh in it. In a new way, in a way I had, I didn't, I, I wasn't. I'm gonna watch punk. it again with a tub of ice cream. I'm never gonna watch it again. Um, <laughs> Just I, I will never do that to myself <laughs> again. Prozac. But, uh, but I, maybe I wasn't willing to engage with this movie. But I think that it's a real strength that it's all there. Yeah, we're pointing out all these examples where it's there. Yeah. It's so subtle yeah. that I didn't even see it the first time. So right, see, and a, I think yeah. now we're back to the beginning. Now I think we've come full circle where we sat down and you guys had a different feeling about this movie, and I came in with this sort of loaded, like mm-hmm. you know, oh no, this movie is like it's full, it's enormous. Yeah. There's so much in it. I had such a response to it, whereas I think from the outside, on the surface, it can be like, well, you know, the plot's not enormous, not a whole lot happens. You know, I do think it's full but and it's, it's enormous. Full and it's enormous. That, and once you start to Kenny's having, yeah, some, well, there's just a, Kenny's yeah. dealing with some stuff. No, it's with like like stuff. how many movies are like this? Like, not well, they don't make these any. Not really many. Make these. Yeah. I mean, Lady Bird obviously was an example. And but. there's not a lot of films where, like, um, for example, notice we can't get through the plot. Because every single thing that you say that sounds like it's not a huge plot point, like it starts with them driving and that's like, no, but she's eating in the sound. And then like she can't pay the electric bill. No, but right. It's like the reason that we can't get through all that is Mm -hmm. because the plot is for Anne. The plot is not large things happening. The plot is every moment of every day. You don't understand. I survived it. It's like it's like what happens in war movies, right? There are great war movies where not a lot happens except somebody gets upended from their regular life. They get handed a weapon. They get sent out into the jungle. They shoot at people. Those people shoot back. Some people die. Some people go home. That's the plot of a lot of war movies, right? But why is it so full? Well, because the human experience of that is – is you can never stop mining that. So parental relationships, I feel, are sort of it's like being at war. It's like every right. second is no, I agree. With that. But sure. there's a, there's a reason there's so few of these. You know, there and, and, and there even even fewer that actually do it with this much care. Like a very famous movie like this is Ordinary People, mm-hmm. right? And obviously won an Oscar. But ordinary people, 
is overt about how bad Mary Tyler Moore is in that movie. It's about a yeah. It's, it's about a fucked up kid who has been fucked up by his mom, who's in therapy, mm-hmm. a, a therapy for it, and, it, and and it won the Oscar because right. it's all on the surface. Right. This so did stuff, Mommy Dearest, by the way. Did it win the right? Oscar? Oh no, but it was nominated, wasn't it? Nominated? I think it was nominated. Or it's just I think it was nominated, or mainly it's just super famous. Either way, for being like, like the bad mother, or and it's a very similar thing. And people yeah. are more comfortable. At least, you know, dealing with those emotions when they when they're carried out by characters that that don't really look like their parents. Like no one really looked like Mary Tyler Moore in that movie, or uh, you know, it was it was um, Betty Davis, Timothy, Hutton? Who no, Joan Collins, but Joan whoever. Collins and wait, no, Joan Crawford, was Joan Crawford, who, Joan so, Crawford. Is that so, why I thought, immediately thought of Mommy Dearest yeah. too? Mommy Dearest like. is Joan Crawford. Joan yeah, Crawford, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mary Tyler Moore is the mom in yeah, ordinary yeah, people. Joan yeah. Crawford is yeah. the character played yeah. by. The very famous actor Faye Dunaway. Oh God! Maybe? It's all I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. That's my dearest. The point is, yes, there are very few movies that deal with this parental relationship. This is kind of covertly, quietly abusive relationship. Um, Lady Bird did it to some extent. This does it. Yeah, I mean, okay. I, I think I, I. I also just want to talk about Anne a little bit here because we do have a fair amount of plot to cover in a short amount of time. We're not getting there, by the way. We're not going to finish um, the plot. Give it up. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, I want to say though that, off, that, that, that Anne kind of becomes an asshole for a, bit, a good chunk of this movie. Yeah. Um, like when she's ordering a ton of shit her mother can't afford at that restaurant, and I'm just like, you're being a fucking asshole. Like, what do you? I don't understand what you're accomplishing here. Or you know, watching her mom panic at the airport by hiding from her. So, oh, you weren't done. I was ready to answer you. No, I just think those are shitty things to do to your mom. Consequences with the capital C. She's trying to teach her mom consequences. Right. So her mother has no concept of that. Like, I paid the bill. I paid the bill. No, you didn't. There's a scene that didn't make the movie where you go off and you need a, you decide you want a manicure and you know that you need that money to make pay the electric bill. But instead, you had the manicure. You know, that's what happened with the electric bill. Right. And is what I'm saying. Like, she didn't. She doesn't think she paid it. She thinks she paid it because she wants to think she paid it. But I think you're she giving Anne a it. lot of credit. No, what I. I don't know that Anne is cognizant of the... Oh, I fully thought in that scene she did. I thought my mom thinks there are no consequences to anything. She wants to go out to dinner. We have no money. Fine. You want to go out to dinner, mom? These are the consequences of your choices, and I'm going to punish you by... Okay. I I, I don't... (laughs) I think she's she's trying to make it like a... She's trying to teach her. I think both things could be true. I know it sounds like you guys are saying different things, but she could could be doing exactly what you're saying, Rochelle, uh, subconsciously. I would I would give and, you on the subconscious level. I think she's just hoping but. her mom's going to get the point. I I like, I, I, I think like I, I it's very shades of gray, but I think that it's possible to feel those feelings without running it through the computer in your head and saying this is how I'm going to make her do it. Oh you know, yeah, I'm not suggesting to, it was like a plan. That, right, that's, so that's what it. I was saying. Right, I'm saying yeah. that like I, I feel like she's that's like and keeps pushing the boundaries of like if yeah. I do this, then will she get it? That's if fair. I do this, that's then fair. will she change? Yeah. And so by consequence, I mean she's trying to affect her behavior. She's trying to change sure. her behavior. I would also say the flip side to that though is that after she hides from her at the airport and then her mom finds her and then her mom like hugs her, you really feel the weight on Anne's shoulders of her mother in that moment. Like yes. her mother is, I, and, and whether or not it's, it's sort of the, you know, the fulcrum point for the character, I can't speak to that, but it does feel like a moment when she has to sort of realize, wow, like this is, my mother is incredibly codependent on me and that I, I don't know how to sort of deal with that, yeah. which I think is a really beautiful moment. Um, Josh, the dentist is writing a screenplay, of course. Of course. Because 
you know, every dentist in town, I am assuming, is writing some sort of a screenplay. Uh-huh. Uh, Josh and Adele go out. He does that special thing. <laughs> uh, she tells her daughter about it. The payphone scene, which is just excruciating to watch. Um, and then uh, then Benny dies. Yeah, I was really sad. Yeah. yeah. Benny's death was I really sad. like um, Sean. Sean. What's his name? Sean Hattesey. Hattesey. Yes. Hattesey. We, we also really like Sean Hattesey. I love him. He was him. in uh, Outside well, and, Providence, oh, which we yeah, just watched. Yeah, Outside Providence. It's the sex ain't over till you both. It's like Chinese food. It ain't over till you both get your cookies. See, people who know, I love it. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's a really, it's, it was a really great movie. Yeah. I also think it's crazy to think that Thora Birch was in American Beauty and this in the same movie. So year. do I. Thora Birch looked like she was 12 in the yeah. scene that she has in this movie. And then I was like, how is it possible that that's the same girl from American Beauty? Which was released before this film. Yeah. Which is nuts. Mm. Anyway. Um, yeah, Anne says some really harsh shit to her mom after the audition about how she was... Because she pretends to be her mom. That was audition, kind right? of a preposterous scene. But okay. I thought that was kind of a preposterous Having been scene. on auditions, it was preposterous. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that- that that was um, they never would have let it go on that long. It just yeah Seriously. that was that was for you know it was one of those scenes that was for us. Yes, right, not for um, the movie. Yeah, which I don't love, but whatever. Like it was a kind of a lazy way. To, it was kind of lazy way to get out exactly what's going on in Anne's head. But that's fine. I yeah. will say to, just to to say quickly about about Natalie Portman's performance in this movie because I do think that there are moments where she can make Anne seem so mature and so adult, and then on a on a turn she is childlike. Like within just moment, and and that's that's a testament to Natalie Portman's obviously ability as yeah. as an actor, but also just you know they're expecting a lot from the character. And the fact that sometimes she crumples under the weight of what's expected of her, I think, is is just is really good stuff. That's re- that's very real. I mean, obviously, my kids are not that old, but yeah, you know, my six year old twins. People on this, people have never heard that on this podcast wow. before. Wait, you have kids, Kenny? I have six year old twins, it's crazy. boy and a girl. It's crazy. Um, and both of my kids, specifically my daughter, I think, is very mature for six, and then all of a sudden she'll be. Too, yeah. you know so i think most of the time it's like it's a teenager and then sure. all of a sudden it's like what happened you all of a sudden you're two yeah. so that i think that's the thing that never stops i yeah. i agree i think the best we can hope for is that eventually the like the part of you that's a kid just that percentage the percentage just keeps going down yes hey like you like kid fully grown up kid fully yes. grown up i'm still the, working on it yeah same <laughs> same i always like to say i reserve the right to die a work in progress <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair yeah, yeah. um so then Anne's friends force her to call her father, which is a really shitty thing to do to your friend. <laughs> but they You didn't did think it. they were supportive in that moment? Like they were they're fifteen. What do they know? They thought well, like oh, no, I agree. Yeah. They couldn't have known it would go sideways no, the way that it did, no. but it goes south real fast. What a dick he turned out to He's be. He's a real dick. Uh do you need money is the first thing he says to her, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like after she identifies herself. Do you yeah. need money, Anne? Yeah. Ugh. It's awful. Uh then a neighbor comes and strips for Anne. Which is a little weird and feels... She, which she tells him to do. No, I know. But I, I just... I, yeah. I, it, the reason I'm, I'm highlighting this scene is because there were rewrites done to the movie because Natalie Portman wouldn't do nudity, or understandably. Oh, uh, I didn't know. And her, Good for her. And her parents didn't know what her doing on it either. It would also kind of be weird. It would be weird. Um, but because of that, it feels like a lot of the sort of... I'm assuming there was a sexual component to this movie in terms of 
coming of age and all of that that they removed from the film and then we sort of got it felt like this scene became some sort of a moment that doesn't really doesn't work work it doesn't really yeah. kind of show her kind of blossoming in any real way it's just kind of like a it's a we, it's a weird no. scene also seemed I, out of character yeah yeah at best i could give it uh, at best i could give it the interpretation of like she never has any power she wanted to have power over somebody he seemed Right. sick and that he would do it you know what right. i mean but that's sort of the, the most that's the most generous i can be with that moment so um we're gonna we're gonna rush to a conclusion here similar to how i feel the movie does a little bit <laughs> um, that's right that's right take that wang <laughs> uh because we we get a bit of a call back to the cop so they get pulled over earlier in the mm-hmm. movie and and basically is like fuck this i'm out of here and then her mom wants her to like uses her as a prop to try to get into the ticket and the cop is you know, whatever. And there's this cop is witnessing obviously this fraught relationship and Anne and the cop have sort of a moment where the cop says like, she's your mom. Like what the fuck are you doing? Like go back to your mom. And then at the end of the film, the same cop just, you know, mm-hmm. coincidentally uh, gets to hand Adele a resolution to the relationship with her daughter, which just feels a little bit pat to me. Well, wait, the thing he says to her in the first scene mm-hmm. is not she's your mom go back to her he says she's your mom go back to her like in this moment For now. but what he says to her is she goes i'm gonna leave and she and he said don't leave now not like this you're upset that's fair don't leave her until you're ready to not come back which is a great line which is like you know and i don't know if that's the exact quote but that's the it's essence close, of yeah. what he tells sure, her yeah. right and so what i find interesting is that when she actually gets on the plane to go to college and there's this whole thing where the mom's like i'll see you in december i'll see you at christmas and aunt's crying and going yes i can picture her getting far enough away from her mom to just to suddenly go oh my god that was so fucked up yeah i'm not going home at christmas mm-hmm. i actually waited to leave until i was ready to not go back and maybe her mom and her don't like talk for four years you know yeah that's the potential sequel to it well i'm just saying that like like, yeah yeah you know it depends on where you sit but if you sit in a different chair maybe she goes home at christmas and it's always fraught but now Anne has more power because she's older or i liked the i liked the i actually liked the airport stuff at the very end of the film yeah I, i i literally wrote uh usually a sucker for kids saying goodbye to their parents as they go away to school it's just because you know whatever parents it's just a thing that always kind of works for me. And it didn't uh-huh. really do anything for me until it then did hit me when Adele yells at Anne to go. Like, it's when she says, like, you have to go. It's, I don't know. There was something about the scene at the beginning felt a little bit whatever, and then it became very emotionally potent for me. So I don't know. It worked. I'll tell you what my last note was. Okay. Back before I loved this movie. I said back before, this back before film. you thought it was the yeah. best movie I ever sa- made. I said I think I I think this movie is very boring and not <laughs> and, and wait, wait 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 I think this movie is very boring and not interesting. And then it really sticks the landing and gets me thinking about my own relationship with my mother. There you go. So I was I was starting to get there. I was willing to like entertain the idea that there's something more there. And then Rochelle, you I was going to say, and then, and then Rochelle cracked you wide open you on the podcast. That door open. Yeah, it did. You, you did. You could, you could, you could see, you could see my guts splayed <laughs> yeah, yeah, across the desk. Yeah. 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 Um, and got on the plane and I wanted to yell, you'll never be free. Oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. Let's go we right into zero, it. Yeah. We should do zero 99. All right. Okay. Never saw it at 99. Never saw it at 99. Uh, so here's what we generally do. You saw this in 99? 
uh, sometime around when okay. it came out. Yes. So generally, what we do is we rank the movie when we saw it in '99. We rank the film before we recorded this podcast, and then we rank the film after this podcast. Interesting. Okay. Now, Kenny and I are only going to be able to do the before and after of this podcast since we didn't see it in '99. But you did. So, what were your thoughts in '99? What were your thoughts before this podcast, and what are your thoughts after? I mean, 1999 was a long time ago, but I'm going to have to say that I probably thought it was around a seven because I can't. I Wait, ha- uh, out of 99. Out of 99. Oh, out of 99. Zero I'm sorry. I was, I was doing zero so to 10, and I had 70? 99 in my head because of the years. Yeah, like a, like, a, like a 70 because okay. I thought – I remember thinking that it, like, it didn't change my life, and it doesn't rank, and I forgot that I sure. saw it. But I remember being impacted by okay. it. Okay. Yeah. And then what is your ranking when you saw it recently before this podcast? And then before the podcast, um, I I liked it even more because it was it made me so uncomfortable. Um, I have to – I've got to put it up to like – I don't think I can put it all the way up to an 80, but I could give it like a 77 or okay. a 78. And then post-podcast? I can – like post-podcast, I want to give it like an 82 for the conversation right. value. There you go. That's great. Um, but I, I will give it this caveat. Are you, am I allowed to like asterisk you can do whatever you stuff? Want. So I want yeah. to say that like – this is one of those films that is going to it's on a it gets a different rating for a different reason and maybe I just I rank films differently cuz like sometimes I just want to be entertained and sure. I can give a film a really high ranking for being exceptionally entertaining sure. if that's what it's trying to do uh-huh. and I feel like if this film was trying to be really specific and really convey the challenges of having this kind of relationship mm-hmm. then it deserves a very high score. There you go. Uh before this podcast I'd say I'd probably give this film a 60. Um, You know what I mean? I was like, you know, this was good. Um, It had, you know, it was, uh, it had some good stuff. I liked it. After this podcast, probably give it a 72. Yeah. Uh, I feel like, uh, you know, Rochelle, you, you, you really kind of convinced us of its greatness um, by piercing a hole in us personally for our relationships (laughs) uh, with our parents. Kenny? I was a lot lower going into this podcast. Um, I wasn't like comically low because i didn't right. think it was like a terrible movie right right um but i was around a 41 is is, is pretty low what i gave wow it. Yeah. well definitely below 50 okay i definitely was like this is not recommending don't, this movie. don't need to see this again yeah. don't need to tell anyone about it um fucking shot up <laughs> <laughs> like like everything like like no i just i just i just realized what a bad movie watcher i am um <laughs> I'm going to give it a 74. I think that yeah. feels about right for me. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. still like, I still do think it was kind of slight, but it did do the one thing it does better Very than well. almost any movie I've ever seen. I agree. So that is great. The rest of it wasn't great, um, but that really works. So there you go. I understand you're summing up, but let me ask you a question. If this movie had sold itself differently, right? If it hadn't pretended to be a sort of, coming of age story about Anne who's, you know, so mm-hmm. different than her mom and her mom is wild. And, yeah. you know, if it had, if it had somehow build itself as being more about like a teenager struggles to be raised by a borderline personality disorder mother and, you know, will she, or will they, or won't they be okay? <laughs> it it sort of build itself as that. And your expectations were looking for that. Do you think that that would help I do. I think that part of the problem too, because that's what we're appreciating about it now is that yeah, it does that. They just they just went they just doubled down and went all in on just on like look, just even looking at the poster. I mean, it's just like that. That is not 
that is not, not indicative movie. of that movie. Right, that's what I'm saying. So I agree the, with the you. Bo- had, the poster is essentially the two leads. It's just smiling. Big, big smiling faces of, right. of our two leads. Right, like isn't it hard to be a mother and daughter? Right, and like her mom, <laughs> and, and and then like reduced in the in the corner is her mom standing on like a park bench, looking like a crazy person. Right, but I feel it's like if just, they had really gone for it, this could be one of those films that you would look back as like a great indie about what this experience this is, is really. I don't like. disagree with this. You. Is what I feel. I, I agree with that. Um. I, I feel like the in order for this film to have succeeded commercially, it would have needed better reviews, and the critics did it a disservice. Well, because they kind of shrugged at it, they similar to it. kind of what I think Kenny and I did in 99. It's because they didn't have this podcast. They, critics need this they, podcast. They need you, but they did it a disservice because the reason Ladybug, Lady Bird, Bird yeah. was such a success was, a set, was entirely because of the reviews. The near 100 in Rotten Tomatoes, yeah. and everyone felt like they had to see it, and it delivered. But... Um, well, I think it, there, I, okay, there there are just some movies that do need that that the audience needs a little hand holding mm-hmm. going into it, mm-hmm. and you would never have been able to accomplish it with the marketing of this movie. No, I mean, so, listen, no, that's it does why have I think a it would have had to be like an indie, yeah, like a Ladybird trajectory. Like if yeah. it came out now and had a Ladybird type trajectory, where it was like this small indie that was made for not a ton of money, that was you know that was that was sort of like you know that was marketed as a really challenging look at a mother daughter relationship. People felt like they could be people, finding, right? Yes, but you're also totally. talking about the difference between eight two four and twentieth century Fox. I mean, you're talking yes. about like the the chasm between those two companies. Yes, and and you know twentieth century Fox in the late nineties when you know the studio system was. Yeah, you know, what it was. I, I I agree. I think a better marketing of this movie would have would have done obviously a, a better service to it. Um, it was, it's a very hard movie. It's a it's very a tough hard movie to market. It's very I hard mean, to market this with those two leads. Yeah, because how could you not put those two leads front and center with yeah. their you know beautiful smiling faces? You know, Natalie Portman's coming off of Star Wars Episode One. You know, yeah. just no, I think Susan Strand is literally Susan coming off of come. five. Wow, was that straight. that long ago too? I think she literally had five straight Best Actress nominees going yeah, into this I mean, year. She's, yeah. so. So. Rochelle, are you on uh, social media? Would you like to tell us what your handles are? On uh, it's very, uh, yeah, I'm on Instagram and I'm on Twitter. It's just at Rochelle Lefebvre on both of those things. And if you're friends with me on Facebook, it's not me because I'm not on Facebook. <laughs> That's weird. That's cool. <laughs> That's cool. But fair. People reasonable. pretending to be me are you on got Facebook. Fake That's cool. That's cool. That's, that, you know you've made it when you've got fake celeb. accounts. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. She you seems guys are, thrilled. No, 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 no. I just, it's just a weird, it's just a weird thing. Um, but I have to say, you guys, I was also on to the next thought that you guys are awesome. Um, oh. And I want to thank you. No, I want to, especially, you know what? Especially. <laughs> we agree. Like, you agree. But especially, um, Right now, when there's so much conversation about, you know, women being recognized and what it means to be a woman and our experience in the world and how that's being validated more, um, I just want to say, like, I really felt like this was a conversation It ended up being it's a mother-daughter movie. We sat down and we were talking about our parents, and I really felt like you guys were willing to dive right in and go there. And, uh, I mean, one of us yeah. was. Well, and I no, and I I just feel like you know it's like what Scott what Scott said about me the last podcast is you're yeah. gonna stick with me forever. So yeah. But, yeah, I just think I just think it was it was it was nice for me. I felt like oh, I had injured spirits in that dive. Likewise, dive. very this much. Was, so. This was very lovely. Um, we will be talking again. Soon. <laughs> we will be t- and, and we want, we would love you to come back again to do another movie if you'd be open to doing so. Yes. <laughs> Yes, I just if, need to choose differently. In, no, no, no. You know, and that's of course maybe a war, maybe a war movie. Yeah, or because yeah, uh, I'm yeah. so good at summarizing yeah, yeah, yeah. those. Yeah. Apparently, I mean, you did. You summarized <laughs> every war movie in less than thirty you seconds. Shoot a guy, guy shoots to you. Yeah, you, you go, you, you come home, survive. right? That's the war. Come home, don't come home. Yeah. All right, <laughs> next week.
we are going to uh we're going to do a big one this is this is one of the biggest movies ever let alone 1999 true. uh it changed movies maybe it, i don't know you know it's obviously a pretty in- Pretty big inflection point. It is. In movie making in American cinematic history. For good or bad. It was the number one movie of the year. We're doing Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. We're doing Star Wars number one, The Phantom Menace. And I got to tell you, if my 1997 self knew that I would... 97? Well, I'm saying this because in 97 when it was announced... Oh, yes, yes, yes. I thought it was the most exciting thing in the history of the world. Couldn't agree with you If I knew that 21 years later I'd be on a podcast being like, we're doing episode (laughs) one, like, God help us. I have a feeling we're going to like it a little bit more this time around. That's my guess. I'm going to watch it with my kids. That's a good good call. They like, um, they love, actually... They're going to like The original trilogy? The... They they love four five six. Okay. Um, they have have they seen seven actually, or eight? Yeah, yeah. They've seen yeah they've seen seven and eight. Not Rogue One. Um, and I don't know how much they loved. They they actually like Force Awakens more than Last Jedi. But we saw Last Jedi in theaters. That's a lot for six. Yeah, and we'll see Solo probably. Oh, I've seen it. Um, saw it last night. We will see Solo, and you can discuss Solo on the podcast yeah, we'll, we're going to do. Yeah, but um, but I think I'm I'm interested in my. Reaction? I'm interested in I, we we have a great guest coming on. We have Eric Carrasco, Eric Carrasco coming on, who uh, is a good friend of mine. He writes on Supergirl. He is a Star Wars aficionado, like no one I know. My word is my my. What? I'm sorry. I've heard he's a bit of an apologist for this movie. He's a little bit of an apologist for this movie. Um, Brace yourself, listeners. But I do think that he's. I mean, listen. He's a very very articulate and thorough. Guy, he's not gonna just be spouting off, you know, fanboy bullshit. Like I think that he, you know, he's invested in the series in a way that I have to be honest, I'm not. Mm-hmm. I love the Star Wars movies, but like, you know, there are people that just go far, way farther with it than I do. That's yeah. So a writer I work with today said, if it's not on, if it's not in the movies, I stand no chance. Yeah, th- I'm, I'm in the same. I'm the same boat. And even I would say the same thing about the TV show. I don't. I, I've never seen Clone Wars. I, no. Eric has seen all that stuff. So it'll, it'll, it'll be great. Uh, so he's going to come on. We're going to talk Phantom Menace. We're going to talk Jar Jar and Midi Chlorins and all sorts of shit that uh, mm-hmm. probably shouldn't exist. Jar Jar and, um, and some things that should exist, like Darth Maul. Sure, Qui Gon. All right. Um, pod racing. Pod racing. Sure, I'll give you that one. Um, that's it. Yeah, because people the like voices. this more than Attack the Clone. Attack of the Clones. Yeah, Attack of the Clones is the one which I actually liked more than this. Yeah, I did too. So I just for one reason, I really kind of thought the the birth of the, I, th- I thought the birth the beginning of, of the Clone Wars. Yes, um, and yeah. and specifically the birth of the Stormtroopers was pretty cool. That they were all based on. Um, I really didn't like that. You didn't like that they were based on what's your what, fucking Boba, Boba Fett? Fett's dad? No. no. I thought it was really Hard sweet. Hard pass. I thought it was really sweet. Didn't like it. Why not? We'll talk about it. Makes perfect sense in the context of what happened in the movie before. Wait till you see Solo. Solo. How low can it go? Uh, uh, anyway, tune in next week. The correct response is Solo. Tune in next week. We're going to do Star Wars Episode One: Phantom Menace. Uh, I, I'm really excited. This is honestly one of the things I'm most one. excited for. The, it's going to be podcast. a long episode, guys. I, I would prepare yourself for a long one. At Rochelle Lefebvre, at PM Miscove, at... Nybar at podcast like 1999. Rate, review, subscribe. Please do all these things. Yes. If you really like us. Yes. Podcast like it's 1999.
like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's 1999. Podcast like it. You are the podcast like it's 1999. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.